Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Brian Murphy, Devin Hassett, and Kendrick Johnson. Hope everybody's week is off to a good start. It is Monday, gentlemen, and for today's episode, we're going to talk some high school boys basketball at the halfway point. We have reached the uh, the midpoint for the majority of our uh, of our boys basketball districts, so after a week in which we went from 6A to 5A to 4A to the private schools on the girls' side of the hard court, let's do the same exercise for the boys. We're going to talk um, 6A today. We'll touch on our four. 6A districts and kind of break down where things are at at the midpoint as we uh, as the home stretch draws near. So um, let's um let's let's start over at 96A. Let's get the uh, the big one out of the way with um, with Allen, Plano ISD, McKinney ISD, and Prosper. Um, let's see at the halfway point in that district we have Allen in first place at seven and zero. Then you have a tie for second place between McKinney and Prosper at five and two. Um, and then and this is where things get uh, get fun. You have a three way tie for fourth place right now between Plano Senior McKinney. Boyd and Jesuit, they are three and four, and then one game back of that of those uh, three teams is Plano East at two and five, and then the last place Plano West at zero and seven. So, um, gentlemen, uh, Brian and, uh, and Kendrick, specifically, what is um what has kind of the been the uh, the biggest takeaway as we are now at the midpoint in District Nine Six A, at least in y'all's respective areas? Kind of surprising that Plano West is zero and seven, is it not? It's a very deceptive zero and seven. They haven't had a ton of bad luck in close yeah. games this season, yeah. with the exception of the games against Allen and Jesuit. It. They've really been in every other game down to the wire. It's yeah. it's just a case of a, of a young team right now that's really having a tough time, you know, finding the uh, the requisite um you know leadership late in games to kind of come away against these more uh, these more seasoned teams in the district. And um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a very deceptive 0 and seven. I'd say. I mean, there's enough within <laughs> that that you could easily see that team going you know three and four or four and three over the second half. And yeah, they lost by four to McKinney, lost by four to Prosper, lost by one to Plano East. Uh, and then had some double-digit losses to Allen and Jesuit, and then lost by eight to Plano. That's yeah. tough. I saw them play against Memorial in non-district, and they had hit a game winner. Um, the Presley brother, um, Grant Grant Presley, yeah, yeah. he uh, he hit the game winner at the buzzer. And I was like, man, this is this is not a bad little team. Oh, no, the pieces yeah. are not bad at all. It's just again, there's a ton of talent in this district. They've got, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got one of the best pure scores in the entire district in Chase Ross, yeah, a, he, a he, junior he, southpaw who can good. just he can get a bucket in a hurry, mm-hmm. and he got plenty of them against Plano Senior on a on Friday. It's just um, it's just a case of there's just you know somebody's got to be at the bottom, and just again, West has had just a lot of really hard luck in close games, and you'd think maybe at some point maybe the law of averages balances this out for them, but um, but yeah, it's um, it's a it's it's a deceptive 0 and 7. It's never. It's not a team that you would look at and think like, okay, well that's a, a gimme or anything like that. But it's um, you know, I'm just curious to see again how this team kind of continues to evolve because they have they've shown the ability to hang tough with all these teams. It's just some whether it's turnovers or just mental lapses late in games. It's just they've all kind of gotten away from them, you know, in a, in crunch time. 
Um, seeing, I mean, you know, Allen being, you know, undefeated at the midpoint, it might not sound like a, like a shock or whatnot, but when you consider that, I... I'm surprised it's Allen and, and everybody else. I thought they even had a loss. I thought they'd be at the top, but it'd be like, they're 7-1 and one or, you know... But they'd have a letdown against someone or something, yeah. It almost happened something. earlier in the district schedule, and Allen was, uh, you know, for a while there, they, uh, they, had a, they had some up-and-down performances to begin district, you know, watching them against Plano East. East hung tough with them for about three quarters, and mm-hmm. then Allen kind of put it together late. They, they, they just straight-up escaped from Jesuit. I mean, Jesuit was shooting for the, the tying shot to send it into overtime. Bad, the, the ball did a little toilet bowl around the rim and rimmed out right as the buzzer sounded. Um, you know, they were a bit fortunate to get out of Jesuit there. And then against the McKinney Boy, that was a game that was a little bit back and forth, and then Allen put together a big fourth quarter. It seems, though, that ever since that game against Prosper that they've started to look like mm-hmm. you know one of the uh, one of the better teams in the entire state. I mean, the ranking is there. The record's great, um, you know, but to see them now, uh, you know, really start to kind of put it together and look like a team that can go out and just kind of dominate the rest of the district mm-hmm. and play with that um, the expectation of being kind of the, the front runner in this district, and it really does feel like since that Prosper game, which you were at, Brian, but mm-hmm. since then it was what a 15 point win over Prosper. Follow that up with a 15 point win over Plano West, a 25 point win over Plano Senior, and then they just beat a uh, McKinney by 13 in the game that they were up, you know, by close to 20 points at one point. McKinney's playing good ball. Um, and it's it's just it's notable just because this is I mean this is their best start to di- to a district schedule in I mean as far back as I can recall because there's always been like there's always been one other team that they've been right on the heels of like they were always at, again Allen's been one of the better more consistent teams in the state for quite some time but they were always in the district with like the Plano West Super Team from back in the day or that Denton Geyer Jesuit last year or that Denton Geyer juggernaut when Allen reached state was that the year they were in the district with Geyer is that when that was yes because yeah, yeah, they beat Geyer in the regional finals yeah. after losing to them twice yes. in district play they won yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the year that they went to state, you know, just a few years beforehand, mm-hmm. that was the year that Plano West won the district and then lost in the regional quarterfinals and what? They've been to state twice. They've been to state twice, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, and again, but all through that span, they've never won a district title. So I mean, it's again like the deck is cleared. Like they they have a two game lead this on the rest the of the district. Yeah. They have the head to head, at least one, at least a head to head win over all these other teams, including McKinney and Prosser, which are most closely on their tail. It's there for the taking, and I mean, it's not a you know a fluke or anything. I mean, this is a team that did have a, a lot of experience relative to teams like McKinney and Prosper and whatnot. And even though they did lose, um, you know Isaiah Stevens last season, there's still a ton back from that team, like Tyland Elder and Bryce Kennedy, Manny Obaseki, who's one of the best players in the district, maybe an MVP candidate and whatnot. And um, and that just killed McKinney. He had 19 points. Oh yeah, he'll, he was fun to watch. Like he he didn't he's fill up the stat man, sheet. He's a poor man, Sean Mary. Yeah, shoot, he only had 15 against against Prosper when I saw them play a couple weeks ago. But he just does so many things. I, I didn't see him dunk. I know Matt was telling me, you know, he's one of the high flyers. He was showing me highlights of him. Yeah, like two on last year. I didn't see him dunk, but he had a he had a nasty block. He had some really you know athletic steals, like getting in the like getting in, in the passing lane. He would just glide through and just would you know just steal a, a pass across court. And and he had some real nice no look passes because he he draws so much attention on drives. I think you're thinking of Manny Obaseki. That's what I'm, that's what I'm talking okay, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the left Guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I'm, I'm thinking of Obaseki. No, yeah, he just controlled the game, you know, and he didn't really, you know, he didn't score 20, 30 points, but he was just doing so many things. Yeah. He's he's really fun to watch. He's but. he's such a well-rounded player, and then you're, like you're mentioning Ty Elder again, another spectacular yeah. athlete. That's he's a poor man, Sean Mary. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about Obaseki. I was like, uh, I don't know. No, but, yeah. He did. Man, I'm talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. He'll catch it. Ooh. 
he gets to open threes. He plays mm-hmm. defense. They're really well rounded. Yeah. You know, the big man with Bryce down Kennedy. The court, if you're looking at you crazy, oh, yeah. like yeah. booming. And if, and if Bryce Kennedy's going down low, you know, they're they're tough to, tough to beat. That's what he did against Prosper. No yeah. one could stop him. And um, the coach McCullough said after the game that, that he's he's the best defender mm-hmm. in the district too. And I was like, shoot, yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be Obaseki, yeah. but I mean, that's that's tough to beat. They've got a. It really is a team that just kind of they, they check a ton of boxes. Mm-hmm. Again, there's not there's not a ton of like overwhelming size or anything like that. Uh, so perhaps a bigger team gets the edge of them on the glass. Just region being down, they have a chance to not only make a run but win the win the whole thing. Out. Very, oh yeah, very yeah, absolutely. Like this year's team doesn't even probably, they probably get third place last year's. They mm-hmm. went in this last year's Allen team to me. I don't know. That's the thing. Because there's <laughs> because when one guy leaves, oh, it, everybody yeah, everybody else's roles kind of elevate, and then you've got mm-hmm. the role players that like. I, mean, I don't know if they had a like just a dead eye floor spacer like Ian Moda last year. Like Mason Gibson's so much better than he was last season. Um, so it's yeah, it, it's a it's it's a really balanced team that checks a ton of boxes. And you know, did you ever, like looking big picture? I mean, yeah, you got to always worry about those Colleen schools. It feels like Colleen's yeah. always got a team coming out that's got a team that's capable of going deep in the playoffs. But yeah, Allen yeah. certainly worked themselves onto that race. Um, McKinney, though. McKinney, yeah. McKinney, Boyd, Tom. Just talk about the dynamic there, Kendrick. I'll start with Boyd. Boyd beat McKinney in the Crosstown Showdown. They're a team that plays very good D. They're not going to beat themselves. Mm. And they're a developing program. And if they can steal a win from a Jesuit or playing on getting this tiebreaker, I can see them sliding into fourth place. Because right now, that, that McKinney win looms large for them. Because yeah, you, uh, you look at kind of elsewhere now, they're part of that three-way tie with uh, with Jesuit and Plano, but they've lost to both of those teams. Yeah. So that kind so of puts a bit of the, they puts the onus on them in the second half. They've got to find a way to even that up just for tiebreaker purposes. And then uh, when it comes to McKinney, they're, they're, I know we're talking about boys, but they're the, um, the equivalent of Plano East on the girls' side. Mm. You better beat them this year. <laughs> she ain't going to be able to beat them in the next couple of years. They're, they're, they're stocked and loaded for the next couple of years. But as far as this year, they grew up against Prosper. They had a game that went back and forth, got Prosper in foul trouble. They had, ten, they had seven fouls, no, eight fouls in the third quarter alone. So the whole fourth quarter of the bonus and were able to hold on and get that tough win. Mm-hmm. My coach Ellis is a really good coach. I, I haven't seen him beside himself because of the crazy calls they had in that game. But Prosper definitely is a team that if they get the right matchup, they're going to be a hard out. Mm-hmm. They play hard. They really don't beat themselves. Um, I know Battle's a good player. But um, I'm expecting McKinney to get that second spot when it's all said and done, when the dust is settled. Just because they match up with um, uh, Prosper. And then the people that they don't like, they got the the two, the Jacoby and Jacoby and um, Devin Vincent, but they got people off the bench like um, Blaze Rooney, who killed them at 50 points, a senior mm-hmm. leader, yeah. and John Jones, who's a football player. And but, a UFC champion. Huh? And a UFC champion. <laughs> <laughs> he's a football player, but he's a very athletic guy. They put him on battle, and he almost single-handedly um, kept battle. Like I think when battle, he was going battle, battle was like two for eight because mm-hmm. he's a big body, athletic. Even though he don't have the hoop skills, he had the defensive skills. He had three blocks on battle. Yeah. It's a similar deal when Bryce Kennedy was guarding Mondo Battle you know, the entire game. And Coach McCullough told me, you know, battle's going to draw so much attention from, from opposing defenses. And these guys, these teams, McKinney and the Allens, they have guys to somewhat slow him down. I mean, he's still averaging 20 a game. Mondo Battle is, is one of the best players in the, in the area, really. I mean, you're averaging 20 points a game. He's got the size, six foot five, can shoot. But if you like you like you mentioned, if you can stifle him a little bit, kind of frustrate him, yeah, yeah, it makes things a little interesting. It makes it tougher for him, I should say. And then like John Jones, like that literally was his role. Pops the coach Wes Watson, he inserts him in the starting lineup. Basically, like get him. 
Like, don't worry about scoring, worry about rebounding and doing that. And he, and he yeah. had him frustrated. And like I say, he's an athlete, he's a football player, so he comes with that herb mentality. So, oh, foul nothing to John. I hate, I hate playing basketball football players, man. <laughs> if it ain't rough, it ain't right, bro. Oh, my gosh. I'm more scared I'm going to get hurt. Right. Oh, like one of those guys. Um, I'm, I'm so fascinated to see how this race for the four seed pans out, just because you've got, you know, with Boyd and just some of the, I mean, Boyd has been living dangerously this first half. They've had so many close games, uh, be it even in wins or losses, whether it was, a, you know, a three-point overtime win against Plano West in the opener, six-point loss against Plano, six-point um, win over McKinney, um, and then a, a two-point win against Plano East that they won on a – did you see this replay, Kendrick? A half-court buzzer beater by uh, Colin O'Brien against Plano East? Uh-uh. Oh, yeah, when that's was, how they beat Plano East. What like, was this? Earlier in district play, like what a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> how did I not see yeah. this? Was it, was it a boy? Oh uh, no, it was at East. Yeah, I saw the video on Twitter. No, yeah, it was I'm like it was legit this. from half court heaves and yeah, perfect swish. What, what's the name of the Boyd player? Uh, Colin, Colin O'Brien. He's one of the best shooters. If you see Boyd play, one of the best. I believe shooters. it was Colin O'Brien. In the district, if that guy gets hot, he can put up twenty five. He got like a little JJ Reddick mm-hmm. game. Um, and then they have the you know the four point loss to Jesuits. So they, I mean, they've been in just about every one except for the Allen game. Boyd's again, that was a tough out. Coach Joseph does a good job with his guys, and they got a, uh, a nice mix of experience and um, youngsters. Mm. But you see the potential. Boys knock on the door. They haven't been in the playoffs but one time in the program's history, yeah. so they're making good strides, being in the race. Um, it's um, you know it's big just when you look kind of down the uh, down the road because this Jesuit team, which I guess we uh, you know they were I believe winless in district last time we talked about them, and then Jesuit has um, like the Undertaker just risen from the uh, <laughs> risen from the dead, and they have. Uh, uh, won three in a row. They beat Plano East. They beat Plano West, and then a, obviously a big one at McKinney Boyd on uh, on Friday. And all of a sudden now, Jesuit has thrust itself right back in the mix, and they're one of those teams, kind of like Boyd, where you know it's a it's a nice mix between you know experience with guys like Daryl Brown and Gavin Perryman, but then you know a lot of the other guys in that rotation were all kind of getting you know used to the uh, the rigors of competing in a in a district the caliber of nine six A. So perhaps you could be seeing the worm start to turn a little bit and now. So, so Jesuit these guys played, they they were on the team last year. They didn't play. Um, like Allen. Either that or just straight up on JV and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, because it was. Um, yeah, no, that was their rotation last year was very, very senior laden. Um, so yeah, it's a Jesuit team that had some really, really, you know, up and down results. I mean, they're they're still ten and fourteen on the season, but they started to kind of turn things around in district. They got a three game winning streak going and some nice little momentum heading into the second half. And they they're right in the conversation too. They have the win over Boyd. They lost to Plano, which if the playoffs started today, Plano would be the last team out of 96A. Um, I got to see them for the first time on Friday when they beat West, and it's it's your typical Plano team. Again, it's, it's not a team that's just going to just overwhelm you with just, just off-the-wall athleticism or height or anything. They kind of like Syracuse. They, they just grind, man. It's such a tough, they're such a tough-minded defensive team. Um, they're really, a, you know... You know, against Plano West, you know, I'm just so amazed by the, the defense from a kid like Makai Dorsey. He was just a sophomore point guard for them. He was a kid who wasn't even on varsity to start last season, got called up, you know, right around district, and then really carved out some nice minutes as just a freshman. You know, he had four steals in that game and a couple, you know, just stripping guys at half court and whatnot. Just such a tough cover. Awesome. Um, and then Bryce Bristow and his, just his springiness. I mean, he had a, uh, you know, he Chase Ross tried to challenge Bryce on a on a fast break dunk to start the third quarter, and Bryce, <laughs> Bryce punched it on him. 
him. It was a, it was a, it was a highlight moment. Um, <laughs> Should have made a business decision. Just <laughs> off. Um, then you got, I mean, Jackson Hamilton, a junior for them, who's you know a nice floor spacer. He got a ton of nice looks from three in that game against West. I mean, it's it's a solid team. Head coach Dean Christian afterwards said, you know, it's it's right up there with maybe the hardest working teams that he's ever had. And you know, they've uh, they've got a lot in that first half to be encouraged by, and especially again to get a leg up on McKinney Boyd and uh, and Jesuit to where now, yeah, you just have to. I mean, at the worst, you're looking at a potential playing game and whatnot. So they've at least put themselves in a pretty advantageous spot, and it's you know. This is a Plano program that hasn't made the playoffs in, what, five years or something to that tune. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, it's a nice little coup in Plano's cap to be at least have the leg up at the uh, at the midpoint. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's a quality team. They're deep. They uh, Again, they scrap like heck on defense. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good little team, and they've, um, yeah, they've put together a strong, a strong first half. Um, let's see. All right, we can, uh, we can shift gears and talk, uh, talk elsewhere in our coverage area. Devin. Give you a chance to chime in, man. Whether it's 10-6-A or 11-6-A, which one do you want to start with, man? We'll roll with 10-6-A first. Right. I'll, uh, let's see. Let me give the standings quickly, and then we will uh, yeah, do a little mid-district look at 10-6-A. In first place, you have Wiley at 7-0, and then second place, Lakeview Centennial, 5-2. and a, uh, a tie for third place between South Garland and Saxe at 4-3. and uh, North Garland is in fifth place alongside Garland at 3-4. and uh, Rowlett and Naaman Forest tied for seventh at 1-6. and Devin, what is your takeaway from where 10-6-A is at right now? Well, we thought it would be a more wide-open race mm-hmm. uh, prior to the start of the season with South Garland losing their megastars. Uh, South Garland had obviously dominated this district the last two years. Um, but it turns out uh, it hasn't been a, a more wide-open race, at least at the top so mm-hmm. far, because Wiley, I mean, Wiley was the preseason favorite, uh, and for good reason, with guys like Eli Taylor and Kobe Wiggins and Drew Lutcher. Uh, but the surprise is they're 7-0, and they've won every game by double digits. Wow. So they've kind of stepped into that dominant role that South Garland's held the last two years. Uh, and they've really done it with defense. They haven't allowed more than 56 points in any district game. And even that 56 came against Damon Forrest in a game that they had well in hand mm-hmm. beforehand. So, you know, Wiley's been impressive. Uh, as for the pack chasing them, that's kind of what we expected the rest of the district to look like. you got five teams separated by two games uh, heading into the second half. And, and you know, it's just... You know, Saxe goes out there and loses to North Garland 47 to 45, and then they beat Lakey 70 to 38. It's just those kind of. It's, it's, so it's going to be all about consistency because all each of these five teams has reasons to believe they can make the playoffs mm-hmm. at season's end. Um, as far as Saxe, look for them to draw up on that experience from last season when they were able to break back through under Zach Mikesell and return to the playoffs for the first time in four years. Uh, they have one of the better all around players in Obi Anya, who's. You know, their leading scorer, leader in assists, leader in steals, like I say, just kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades. Uh, Omar, Amari Smith on the outside, he missed 10 games early on. His return to the lineup on a consistent basis has been a big lift for them. And they got they had good balance. I mean, Dylan McKean is a guy who, who scores in double figures. Uh, Isaac Brown's kind of developed as a, another outside shooter. Chris Sellers gives them a presence down low. Uh, just a lot of different guys. Uh, their depth is good. R.J. Chapman, a freshman we've talked mm-hmm. about that's made a, an instant contribution at the varsity level. So, you know, Saxies, there's still a lot of work to do because like, you could say the same thing about almost every team. Lakeview, uh, Dante Houston Jr. might be the most athletic player 
and in the district, he's a six eight guy that, that just a lot of those teams don't have an answer for. You know, physically speaking, mm-hmm. uh, D. Key Burton, others. You know, Lakeview's well positioned in second place, and I think they have the talent. If there's one team that's going to be really able to make a push at Wiley, should Wiley, Wiley falter a little bit, it's going to be Lakeview. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Garland has been a bit of a surprise. You know, we didn't know what to make of them with the yeah. loss of Tyrese Maxey <laughs> and Chris Harris Jr. But um, They've done it with a mix of freshmen and seniors. I mean, Justin McBride, their 6'5 freshman, uh, basically averages a double book double. He's one of the top prospects in the state. Uh, in the state, T.J. Brown, another freshman, has made uh, has come in and, and just a really electric player on the outside. And they've mi- mixed them in with a couple seniors in Don Anderson and James Fincher, which gives them a really strong uh, starting five. Garland's a team that I talked about uh, a little bit before the season that I saw before the start of the 10-6-A uh, season and was just really impressed by their upside with their sophomores. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zuby Ajiofor, 6-7 sophomore, averages a double-double, averages better than two steals and two blocks a game. I mean, he's just been a, yeah, he's been a force uh, in the middle. Uh, they have good balance with Aaron King, another sophomore on the outside. So, you know, like we talked about with some of these other teams, when you're that young, you have so much upside to grow during the course mm-hmm. of the season. And I think you've seen glimpses of that from Garland. But again, I mentioned a second ago, it's going to be all about consistency. You know, Rowlett, uh, touch on them real quick. They're not in the position. They beat South in the opener, uh, and they've since dropped six just uh, six in a row. I'm still used to seeing Rowlett in this position. Yeah, you know, and, and they're not that far off. They lost to North Garland by two in overtime. Uh, lost by four to Garland. Mm-hmm. Lost by six to Saxe. Um, so you so need, they're well, playing OS pretty much. Yeah, yeah, you can point at those games and say and say, hey, look how close you are to being right in the middle of the playoff hunt. But at the same time, you still got to get the job done. And you know, with that five pack of teams in the middle and them being two games off the pace, it's going to be really, really tough for them to get back into it. But it is possible because I do think that these outside of Wiley so far, I do think the rest of these teams are going to beat each other up, mm-hmm. so to speak. And if they can. You know, if they can put together a five and two stretch, you know, down, you know, during the second half of the season, it's possible that they get right back into it. They have the talent to do it. It's just a matter of, you know, turning around some of those close losses. Mm-hmm. Over in uh, District 66A, this was, um, you know, this was a district that at the, I remember when we were previewing this stuff way back, I said that, um, you know, I thought that this was one of the rare cases where you could have five teams that were, could realistically vie for a district championship. We're at the midpoint, and that's kind of been the case it's there's one team in there that i did not foresee coming um i can only imagine what it would be like if hebron you know hadn't you know hadn't had their best player sideline for the entire first half of district without logan mclaughlin hebron's kind of fallen a bit back uh, you know back from the pack but um but right now at the midpoint of the standings you have capel in first place at six and one then you have a three-way tie for second place at five and two between irving MacArthur, flower mound and marcus <laughs> the uh, the surprises of the district. So that means if the playoffs began <clears throat> today, the team with the best player in the district and one of the best players in the country for his class would not make the playoffs. And that's Louisville with the Keontae George show. Is he, is he putting up numbers? He is. Oh, yeah. It's just, again, it's just the, the margin for error in this district is so slim. And like with Louisville, they had um, such an encouraging start. They started off on such a dramatic note by beating Capel by one point. Uh, thanks to Keontae George, who had uh, 35 points and the game winner. Um, they get a huge lift to start district. They win their next three games. And then um, 
they've fallen on some hard times. I mean, granted, they uh, let's see, I got the uh, I got the scores here. Um, you know, they lost to uh, they lost to Marcus by fourteen. Marcus is when Marcus has won games in district, they have done so with an exclamation mark. Um, but then they had a one point loss to Flower Mound, a five point loss to MacArthur. Um, Keontae was held to just fourteen points in the game against MacArthur. Um, but yeah, it's kind of put them in a position now where you look at their at their district loss, you look at their district losses, and it's to those three teams that are tied for second place. So all of a sudden now, you know, Louisville is, I mean, we hear the, uh, you know, you hear coaches talk about the cliche. I mean, the playoffs are beginning, you know, a couple weeks early for us. And that's actually the case for, uh, for, um, for Louisville because their last three games of the regular season are against those three teams that are in second place. Um, so yes, Louisville has got some, they've got some high stakes basketball coming up. And that includes Tuesday when they rematch against a Capel team. That's all of a sudden now won six straight since dropping its opener. Um, so yeah, I mean, this Louisville team that has probably pound for pound more talent than maybe anybody in the district and not because not just with Keontae George but with uh, you know KJ Pruitt former standout of Little Elm um, OC Girton and Kylan Green it's just again this district is so freaking deep at the top that I mean the other teams have really great players too so again it's not like you know Keontae George can only do so yeah, much yeah that, that's a district you can't do that district uh, 9-6-8 mm-hmm. it seemed like in the Garland district this year he would be fine he guaranteed to a district title um, but yeah, it's put Louisville in a pretty uh, in a pretty tough spot at the midpoint. Is now all of a sudden they have a number of must-win games coming up later in the season. Um, Marcus being in this mix is um, is something that I did not see coming straight up. Um, just the the results were just so up and down throughout the preseason. Um, but it sounds like that was more just kind of a symptom of them being down uh, some guys here and there, and them not necessarily having their uh, you know their full complement of players. But now that um, you know they started off just on a really really encouraging note, they got a, a double-digit win over Hebron. Which which, you know, at the time, you know, you look through and you see that that might have been the game where they lost Logan McLaughlin, thinking, okay, well, maybe they just kind of caught a Hebron team that was maybe a little bit, you know, just shocked in the moment and whatnot. I'm going to get to you in a second, Kendrick, so just hold your breath. Um, but then, uh, but since then, I mean, they've, again, they've beat teams. They Then they had, a, you know, a couple really disparaging losses to, like, Appel and Flyer Mound that, okay, kind of threw you off the scent a bit. But since then, I mean, they beat Lewisville by double digits. They beat MacArthur by double digits. Um, they've, uh, I mean, they've looked the part. It's not a fluke right now. And again, they've got a really win at full strength. A nice complement of guys that can get you a good, you know, ten to fifteen a game between, you know, Nick Donnelly, Kale Martins, Ben Jolson, Josh Condon, um, and yeah, again, to already have the leg up over uh, MacArthur and Louisville in the head-to-head department that could loom large. So yeah, this this Marcus team, which you know really had a kind of a kind of a tough time finding a steady identity early in the season, it's really starting to round into form for them. Where are you going to ask me, Kendrick? Do you, do you think anybody has a legit chance of making a run? Because these are not it's, that, it's, that, the, that it's the same no. case as it was over on the girls' side because that region still oh, has. It's still, well, it's still all about when you run into like the you know the Duncanvilles and the DeSotos of the and the SGPs of the world. And I mean, yeah, you can have a great team on paper, but just the bracket just might not align in your favor. So again, it just depends on how that all breaks. Because um, Duncanville's still number one in the state, and <laughs> you're gonna have to play them eventually over there in Region One. Um, but. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, I mean they're all they're all quality teams. Um, as far as what it means, you know, kind of in a, a big a big picture spectrum on the on the state side of things, I believe Capel's probably the only team that's state ranked right now. Louisville was for a while, but then obviously these losses have kind of set them back. Um, but let's see. I mean, w- with Flower Mound, a team that's in that mix there for second place. I mean, it's been a it's been an emotional couple weeks for the Jaguars. They lost at the buzzer to MacArthur, um, but then they were able to get the win over Louisville just a few days later on the road, beat them by one point. Um, you know, a lot like um, this Capel 
team. They're two teams that really kind of thrive on balance within their offense. They don't have that one guy that's going to get you 25, 28 in that, like a Keontae. But, um, you know, with, with Flower Mound, it can be, you know, Jeff Mills, Air Force commit. They're um, just the, the backcourt of Jack Richter and Gavin Green, just two dead-eye three-point shooters. And then they're bigs down low with, uh, with Robert Sieri and, uh, and Hayden Lacey. Whereas with Capel, you know, you look at guys like Brandon Taylor. They're just they're steady as all get-out point guard. Ryan Agrawal, uh, just a, an absolute dead-eye shooter, just a sophomore. Um, you know, and Adam Musa, Anthony Black. They've got a lot of guys that, um, much like Flyer Mound, guys that if they were in a situation where they the offense did kind of run through them a bit more frequently, they probably could get you closer to 20, you know, 22 a night and whatnot. But um, you know, but they've all um, you know they've all bought into their roles and they bring in, yeah they bring a nice a nice mix of uh, of skills to the table and their teams uh, Capel and Flyer Mound for that reason that really do just kind of check a lot of boxes as far as kind of uh, you know filling a lot of the qualities needed to have a, a successful regular season. And again, well, what it means for the playoffs is another question, just because again that region is going to be an absolute. It's going to be Game of Thrones trial by combats and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, but, um, but, yeah, you've got a, a really, really competitive race right now for the district title. And, I mean, again, Capel can go a long way to uh, perhaps locking things up if they were able to avenge that loss to Louisville and whatnot. Um, but they've, uh, yeah, you know, they've, they've looked apart ever since losing that opener. Their average margin of victory since then has been by 19 points in the district. So they're, um, they're getting it together. It's a team that showed some real, real uh, signs of progress late in the preseason, and they've, uh, they've carried it over. And, again, it was just a, 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 an otherworldly performance by Keontae. George is the only reason why they're not undefeated at the midpoint. Um, so that is a look at kind of where things are at over in District 6XA. It's a shame that Logan McLaughlin's not playing right now for, uh, for Heber and just, I mean, just to add that ingredient to the mix, what he's capable of doing and how good that Heber team looked earlier in the season. I mean, yeah, you could have um, a potential, again, I said five teams are capable of, you know, gunning for a district title. You could very well have six if Logan McLaughlin was, um, was in the mix for the Hawks. Um, but yeah, that's a look at right now, kind of where things are at at the midpoint for District 6XA. Um, um, all right, let's close it out, Devin, with a look at over in 116A and how Mesquite ISD is faring in there. You have um, at the midway point, uh, let's see, a couple of the Mesquite schools playing some catch-up. Uh, Rockwall's in first place um, at 5-1. and one. Then you have a, a three-way tie for second place between Horn, Longview, and Rockwall Heath at 4-2, and two, so not far off the mark of catching the, uh, the Yellow Jackets for first. Uh, then you have Mesquite in fifth place at 3-3, three three, North Mesquite at 1-5 and five and sixth, and then in seventh place, Tyler Lee at 0-6. Well, much like you were talking about 6-6A, this is basically boiled down to a five-team race mm -hmm. with any of the five capable of winning the district championship. I mean, if you looked at this a week and a half ago, Mesquite's alone in first place at 3-0, coming off a big win over Rockwall, sitting pretty, and now flash forward 10 days, and they're, mm -hmm. they'd be left out of the playoffs if this playoffs started today. Um, Rockwall? No, Mesquite. Mesquite went from 3-0 and to 3-3 and over the course of the last uh, three games. Bad. And, you know, so, so Rockwall leads... The district, but they're not the Rockwall with quite the star power they've had. There's no Samuel Williamson or even Alec Grandstaff. Um, or Austin. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, but they've had other guys step up. I mean, Sherman Brashear has kind of come on as their leading scorer. He's having a really nice season. Will Bartosik is another guy that they've relied on um, game by game. Uh, but they've lived a little dangerously, too. I mean, you know, they lost to Mesquite. They beat North Mesquite by two. A North Mesquite team that just, just got its first district win on Friday. Uh, they went to overtime with Longview, and they beat Horn by two. So those are three really close games that went down to the wire. 
I still think I've said it before. I think Horn is the most talented team mm-hmm. in this district, and I think when Horn is firing on all cylinders, they're the team to beat. Uh, you know, I mentioned the number of state-ranked opponents they uh, they played and beaten early on. I saw them play Mesquite last week in a battle with district leaders at the time, and they beat them seventy-three to thirty-three. Wow. They were they were down midway through the second quarter, and then just went on to outscore them by forty-one. During final twenty minutes, tough to overcome game. that. They're, they're in the final twenty minutes of the game, but it just shows their their explosiveness, mm-hmm. what their defensive pressure can do to, to change the tide of a game. I mean, Zakir Sawyer, uh, the Louisiana Monroe signee, is a is a you know candidate for MVP. Devin Hancock, one of those guys that when he gets hot from the outside can put up twenty and a half, no problem. Mm-hmm. You know, Preston Amond is their six seven you know three year guy, does a little bit of everything, real good passer for a big man. And again, they're just their depth and their athleticism. I think when Horn. It's firing. I don't think any other team in 11 6 they can, can keep pace. However, they do have their lulls, and we talked about that yeah. before, too. You know, their, their only two losses are to Rockwell and to Rockwell Heath, and they were both by two points. But they are also lower-scoring games, which kind of leads you to believe that Horn didn't didn't have everything going for them. They weren't playing the style of game that they would have liked to have played, and Rockwell and Rockwell Heath were able to pull them into a style that they're not as comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I still, Horn's going to be right there uh, until the end. You know, Longview was actually the preseason pick to win this district. Um, Malik Henry, a George, Ma- uh, George Mason signee, he was uh, another uh, candidate for MVP beforehand. You know, we don't get to see a lot of Longview unless they come to the area. Um, but they put themselves in the mix. Uh, Rockwell Heath has a kid called Kelvin Pruitt, um, whose older brother Cameron Pruitt was one of the better players a couple of years ago, but uh, they got a good inside-outside uh, combination with him on the inside and Chandler Dickinson and Skyler Steps on the outside. Mesquite's been a little bit of an enigma of late. Like I said, they got off to the great start, arguably about against teams that they should beat, although it was that the win over Rockwall was was a big one. But then, you know, losing three, eight, three straight and the way they did it, I mentioned the 40-point loss to Horn. They also lost by 18 to Longview. So, um, you know, they still have they still have the ability. DeAndre Heath, um, is one of the best players in the district. Uh, they've kind of had different guys step up at different times. Xavier Golightly, Charles Washington, Gerald Thompson. So, you know, they've shown that they can compete at times. It's just the consistency's been lacking. And if they want to make a move up into that, back into that upper tier, that's really what it's going to come down to in that second half because they put themselves, with considering tiebreakers, they put themselves really in a position where they're going to have to beat two of the three teams okay. that are right there in that three-team pack in, in second place. All right. That is a look at where things are at at the midpoint for our 6A boys basketball districts. Um, obviously, there's still plenty more on the 5A side and whatnot to talk about. We will get to that later on in the week. And, um, yeah, we'll touch on that on Thursday. Um, that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.